0: Hello and welcome back to Tale of Two Booksellers. Today it's just me Fiona here to introduce to you our interview special for 2018. So 2018 has been a very busy year for us and we've managed to get some amazing interviews and speak to some fantastic people and we just haven't had enough episodes to share them all in. So we didn't want you guys to miss out and we didn't want to keep these interviews to ourselves. So here we go, here is our interview special. I hope you enjoy.
1: Hi guys, and welcome to this special interview today. We've got two amazing authors with us. We have Kemi Dawn Bowman and Alice Oseman. We are so excited to have them here. First of all, would you guys like to introduce yourselves and your books ever so briefly? Hi, I'm Alice
2: Oseman. I'm the author of three books, Solitaire, Radio Silence, and I Was Born For This. Uh, My most recent book, I Was Born For This, is the story of Angel, who is a big fangirl of a band called The Ark. Um, and Jimmy, who is the front man of this band. Um, so it's a book about fandom and obsession and yeah, no spoilers.
3: <laughs> uh, hi, I am Akemi Don Bowman, and I'm the author of Starfish, which is about a artist named Kiko Himura who um, dreams of going to art school and has a really difficult home life. She has an abusive mom and uncle, and just really wants to get away and kind of start fresh and um, ends up getting rejected. So it's about kind of finding a new path in life and and figuring out how to navigate that um, on top of having really bad social anxiety. So you both write some fantastic YA.
0: Um, What is your favorite thing about writing for young adults? Such (laughs) a bit of a loaded question. (laughs) I think YA fiction in general
2: is just so much, I mean, to me, it feels so much broader and more exciting than adult fiction. Um, just it, personally in the variety of stories you can tell but also in the style of YA writing it I feel like I can do anything um, yeah. which I, I would feel more limited uh, with I feel like fiction.
0: there's some like weird not boundaries in adult fiction but sometimes yeah. it feels like there are whereas mm.
3: with YA has just knocked those down and carried a walking
0: yeah definitely
3: yeah I, I agree with that too and um, like for me as well I feel like it's just really important to give um, people who don't often get to see themselves in books, like a mirror into yeah. into fiction. Yeah. And um, I'm biracial and the characters I write are biracial and to feel like maybe people will get those books nowadays when they didn't when I was younger, That is feels very important to me to yeah, so kind of write definitely. that. So yeah. As yeah. a bookseller, it makes me really happy to see these books coming through because it's like finally
1: I have an answer for a book for anyone that asks. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. amazing to see. Alice, when did Angel and Jimmy first pop into your head oh my gosh (laughs)
2: Um, I don't remember the precise moment but um, I knew sort of while I was still working on my second book Radio Silence I wanted to write this book about a super famous super rich member of a boy band so I started with Jimmy uh, he sort of became Jimmy and kind of when I realised I wanted to write about that I was thinking you know what else can I explore to do with boy bands and fame and that brought me onto fandom which I've already written a lot about and I find really Mm. interesting so then came the character of Angel and I realised then oh this has got to be like a dual narration story it won't work unless it explores both sides so started with Jimmy but then kind of that broadened out into lots of other things.
0: I think yeah. it's really interesting with because a lot of fandom books you only see the one side, so it's interesting to have Jimmy's mm. point of view as well because yeah. there's so much underlying that you never see from the point of view of the fan essentially. Yeah. And, Kemi, like, what about Kiko?
3: Kiko. So um, I guess the idea for Kiko was mostly um, this is very much like the book that I needed as a teen, mm-hmm. and she goes through a lot of heavy stuff, but. Uh, things that all mix together with the intersections of, of race and you know mental health and, and all this different stuff. Um, I just hadn't seen that in a book and I know how much it would have helped me when I was younger to kinda of get through these things. So that's sort of where she was um, in my head and I was actually on submission for a sci-fi uh, which is the book I signed with my agent and I was Terrified, obviously, of like the waiting, and thought I'll just work on something that has nothing to do with series sci-fi, and ended up writing this book, and it ended up selling first. So um, yeah, it sort of just went in that direction. But can we
0: have the sci-fi as well?
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <wish>. We're, we're <laughs> massive sci-fi readers. Yeah. So like, like oh, right. yes, yeah,
1: space. Yeah, yeah, one day I hope. <laughs> so how much of yourself do you see in your characters? You write. Do you sort of
3: focus on sort of pouring yourself into one character or spread it out across many different characters. For me Kiko um, has a lot of I guess personality traits that I had at that age but I think a lot of the stuff that she learns and kind of the strengths she has isn't what I had at the time which is why I wanted to yeah. write her. She has a brother in the book without giving away spoilers who who struggles a lot more without it being so obvious um, and I would say that's probably more how I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kiko is sort of like a later stage of, of strength that Kind of lessons that I learned later, and I wanted to put that into like, um, you know, a character that might help people see that.
2: So for me, like my first two books, I think the narrators were very personal to me. So Tori in Solitaire is like just she kind of really struggling with just the mundanity of kind of teenage school life, Um, and uh, she's got some family problems and stuff like that. And uh, Francis in Radio Silence. She feels like she needs to go to university because she's a high achiever, but she doesn't really want to do that. She likes art. And that's something that I personally yeah. struggle with. Like, Whereas my third book, I was born for this. I wouldn't say that I am as close to the narrators. It feels more like, it's interesting because I started it, it felt more like a fun project because I felt more disconnected to the characters. But as I got into it, as I sort of always do I found myself connecting to the characters in all sorts of different ways that I didn't expect like Jimmy has like quite bad anxiety which is something I can relate to and Angel kind of has these uh, this obsession with a band which I, I'm not obsessed with a band but I, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all had that feeling <laughs> yeah exactly I am obsessed with other things in different ways so yeah it just happened anyway
0: <laughs> do you have any f- favourite characters that you've written so not necessarily one that's like yourself but you know one that you've enjoyed writing about specifically.
4: <laughs> oh, mm, many
1: characters? <laughs> <that I laughs> any character,
0: yeah. for any book ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I suppose you probably get really
0: attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, really it's like choosing a favorite child. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. We'll we'll glaze over that one because <laughs> I know that one could be quite a loaded question because it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, I can't just pick one. <laughs> That's rude. I
3: think I was like whatever the newest one is that I'm writing. I think yeah. I like it's them so the most. I you <laughs> <said the> most <laughs> time with yeah. them yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What
1: books would you recommend to anyone that has enjoyed your latest book, so *Starfish* and *I Was Born for This*?
3: Well, I read um, Sarah Barnard's uh, *A Quiet Kind of Thunder* mm. very, very recently, um, which also deals with somebody who has social anxiety. Um, so, because and that's fresh on my mind too. And I know that there is definitely similarities there with um, the way that her anxiety kind of manifests in both mm. characters. Um, so yeah, probably that one. I'm kind of having a blank for <laughs>
4: other, <laughs> other
3: books at the moment, but yeah, that one is a
2: um, I think. I always answer this question with Non Pratt, who I think her, all of her books are quite similar in style to mine, they're all contemporary, they kind of deal with people, issues in all sorts of ways. Um, I think my favourite of hers is Unboxed, which is one of her novellas. I've read I think
0: all her other books oh, apart the, from that one. Oh, one it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of following on from that, have you read any amazing books recently, not necessarily in any relation to your books, but just anything that you'd like to shout about? What I read recently? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's always the way it's always like last yeah.
3: oh, question. It's like, yeah,
2: oh. I can't even think of a book that yeah, I've read recently.
3: To, well, I, I'm still reading it, but I'm reading right now is, um, I'm gonna mispronounce her name so you can edit this. Half the time we're like,
0: we tend to <laughs> yeah. do a name and it's like, I am butchered that. Yeah,
3: so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been reading, um, Recently, I've been reading uh, *Children of Blood and Bone* by Tomi Adeyemi, and we don't know. If you yeah, know we've right just on, been
0: talking with our friend it's Katie.
3: Amazing! It. it is so good, and I'm only like halfway through because it's difficult for me to read and write at the same time, and I've yeah. been on deadline, but. Um, Oh my gosh, it's so so good. I haven't loved a book this much since Six of Crows. Um, oh my gosh! And love yeah, Six of this Crows. is this is yeah. almost yeah. about to exceed it. It's I'll a be big honest. Compliment. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is amazing. I guess so. we're reading that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: well, I'm reading at the moment. I was reading on the train. Um, we are young by Kat Clark, and it's. Oh, I yeah, want to read yeah, that. Yeah, it just came out, um, and it's the first book by Kat Clark that I've read. But I'm like shocked that I haven't like read any of hers before because they're quite similar in style to mine in that they're very focused on people issues mm. and mental health and
1: yeah, I want to know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll wrap that up and say thank you so, so much for jumping on and doing a mini interview for us. Thank yeah. uh, you, you so much. Everybody yeah. please go buy Starfish and I was born for this. Because yes, I have it. read both books and I absolutely yeah. loved them, which you've probably heard. <laughs> you listen to the previous podcast episode. So, thank you guys. You
0: yeah. thank you. Bye. bye bye. So today we have a very exciting interview. I am here with Sophie Anderson, the author of the House with Chicken Legs. Hello hello thanks so much for being here thank you so much for having me Um, we've got a few questions we're gonna say we it's just me today but (laughs) we (laughs) we've got a few questions we'd like to ask you so if you could start off by telling our listeners a
4: little bit about the house with chicken legs okay so the house with chicken legs is a baba yaga reimagining Baba Yaga is a character from Russian folklore, she's a fairy tale witch but I've reimagined her in the house with chicken legs and um, she's the grandmother of the main character who's a 12 year old girl called Marinka and Marinka just dreams of an ordinary life where her house stays in one place long enough for her to make friends but her house has chicken legs and moves on without warning and every night Marinka spends helping her grandmother to guide the dead between this world and the next so um, Marinka kind of lives on the edge of society and she only gets to meet the dead and they only hang around for one night and Marinka basically sh- now she's 12 she wants to escape this lonely destiny that she sees stretching out ahead of her and the house of chicken eggs is her story of her trying to escape this wow. destiny. Wow,
0: <laughs> that is quite a destiny. It <laughs>
4: is and, and she's trying to escape but the, the, the house has some other ideas, <laughs> the house wants to kind of... I love
0: the idea of a sentient house. Yes it
4: was uh, like just amazing fun to right essentially sentient house because it can't speak but it can express itself in so many ways mm. and it can move around the world and it can grow things like uh, when marinka was younger she was actually really happy because the house could grow her play forts and swings and oh, cool. stick armies to play with and, and they used to play tag and chase and it would pick her up and she'd ride on the roof and so um so she used to love it but obviously now she she, she just wants some human friends mm, basically yeah. so, but it is a fabulous character <laughs> Um,
0: can you recall when you first got the idea for this book? Gosh, that's
4: quite tricky, actually. Uh-huh. I've always loved Baba Yaga. My, my grandmother used to tell me Baba Yaga stories. So I've always had Baba Yaga in my head, and I think I've always wanted, perhaps not to... Because I, I came to writing a lot later in life. I used to be a teacher. Yeah. But um, I've always sort of written little snippets of poetry, and, you know, just for myself, and, and Baba Yaga would often feature in them. And I've always wanted to kind of explain... That character, because she's a very ambiguous, excuse me, character in folklore. She can be cruel and she can be kind. And um, I always wanted to make sense of this, and so I think I always wanted to invent my own Baba yeah. that made sense to me. That you know, like, wh- wh- why was she viewed as being cruel, but why could she be kind sometimes? But it wasn't until maybe about five years ago now that I sort of I I, I finally this idea of my Baba that guided the dead sort of made sense to me, and then I had this vision of Marinka. Just sitting outside the house with chicken legs rebuilding the skull and bone fence, and at that moment, I I, I knew I had to tell Marinka's yeah. story, and her story just flowed. And the mm. first draft I wrote in it must have been about six weeks. It just wow. flowed out of me. I didn't know what was going to happen in yeah. the story, and everything that just surprised me as I wrote it. It was it That's was the best, wonderful. The best kind of
0: way to write, isn't it? Definitely. You're constantly sort of thinking and going, oh, well what's going to happen next? Indeed, it drives you. you. Yes, it drives mm.
4: you to get back to you know back to writing. Because yeah. I want to <laughs> know what's going to happen and it was wonderful oh that's you fab it took a lot of editing afterwards well <laughs> but they always do <laughs> <laughs> but, but that first draft was fab and yeah that was about five years ago and i i i, I do feel that she just came to me mm. you know it was um yeah magical oh lovely so going
0: on from that do you see yourself in any of the characters that you've written?
4: Um Yeah I do, I see, I see young me as Marinka mm. and um but obviously Marinka is very much inspired by my children as well I have a 12 year old daughter. Ah. I think Marinka is is almost every 12 year old child think, because they're yeah. at that age where they're pushing the boundaries of well, any, well, any, yeah, yeah. any boundaries that are drawn around them and they want to explore what they can be and mm. who they should be. Um I also relate quite a lot to the house because I'm a mother <laughs> and so the house is a fun loving character and wants to play with Marinka like yeah. I want to play with my children and be a fun parent mm. but also the house wants to keep Marinka safe yeah. which obviously as a parent I want to keep my children yeah. safe and it's there's and always this a lot of similarities yeah, yeah there's this battle between you know wanting to take care <laughs> of your children and wanting to let them go yeah as well yeah. and um, so those are the two characters I relate to the most mm. Baba is very much my own grandmother so, who was your favourite character to write? Um, they're both the house and Jack, who's a jackdaw. That, um, oh. It's not really Marinka's pet, but, Mar- but, but uh, Marinka did raise Jack. Yeah. And, uh, so and I connection. think both of those characters, Jack and the house, they don't talk, so you have to just get really creative with how <laughs> you express them. And, um, I they think they're p- some
0: of the, the best characters, though, are the ones that you have to. F- force the reader to understand them in a
4: different way, in a different, not yes, just with their voice. Indeed it is. It, it, it's, it's so lovely doing that. It's mm. really creative and quite challenging. And They, they have really strong personalities and it, it, it constantly amazes me how strong a personality you can express without yeah. words or, or speaking. Mm. Indeed. So they were huge fun to write. Oh, fantastic.
0: The book has been compared to How's Moving Castle. Are you a fan of Diana Wynne Jones or one of the Studio Ghibli? Um, if so, what is your favourite book and
4: or movie? Uh, strangely, I hadn't read Howl's Moving Castle oh. at all and I hadn't watched much Studio Ghibli at all and then um, when the house of chicken eggs was on submission there was actually yeah. an editor that I talked to and she said oh it's, it's very like Howl's Moving Castle so I went off and I bought How's Moving Castle <laughs> and I read it and sure enough there are similarities yeah. I think we, we obviously both drew on that Baba Yaga folklore uh, yeah definitely. and I love Howl's Moving Castle and and um, I didn't read much Diane Wynne-Jones when I was young which is strange because lots of people my age did so but it's wonderful because I have it all to read now (laughs) so I have all this to discover and likewise um, Studio Ghibli I haven't watched a huge amount of and my younger brother was always a fan, and so I, I think it's like, well, that's his thing, isn't yeah, it? So, again, yeah. I have all of it to discover. <laughs> which is, is fantastic. Really you're going to have a great time. It is, <laughs> yes, indeed. I saw, I was in Waterstones the other day, and they'd paired House Moving Castle with The House for Chicken Eggs and That was just so wonderful to yeah. see, obviously, because she, she's such a, a special author for Definitely, so many people. Yeah. And, and likewise, Studio oh, Ghibli, lovely. people get very passionate about them, mm. about, um, that film so. studio and that author. So oh, I'm proud lovely. to be link to them in some way
0: <laughs> and you've got all that to enjoy I have yes um, so going back to what you were saying before about sort of taking six weeks to write the sort of first draft mm. um how do you plan out your books are you quite meticulous or is it just entirely by no, the seat of my pants.
4: Yeah, by the seat of my pants, mm. absolutely. It's, which isn't always the best way to do it. <laughs> but I think someone made a good point on Twitter the other day, another writer, and they said that I think we do all plan, it's just what order you do it in. Yeah. So I perhaps write it all by the seat of my pants. And then in the edit stage, then it's like, right now our plan. Yeah. Which is <laughs> maybe a back to <laughs> way of doing it, but... I think we all,
0: you've, you've got to find what, wo- both. Yeah,
4: what works for you, because yeah. doing the same thing for everyone is, just, we don't all work the same. No, so. and I think for each book as well, because then I came to write the second book, and I started to write it by the seat of my pants, and I got halfway through, and I got in a bit of a pickle, <laughs> and I thought, oh gosh, this isn't, <laughs> and I had to step back and try to yeah. plan it, and, and, and it didn't work the same way as it worked with The House of Chicken, because I got this, this full draft from you know just j- j- quickly whereas mm. my second book um I had to stop halfway and then replan Me it too. and and uh, and yeah it's a whole different process so I oh. think you know different books yeah. perhaps that's very interesting. Mm. Um, speaking of <laughs> writing
0: other things, are you writing the second book now or are you writing something else The now? second book is, it, the,
4: the first draft is finished, Ooh. so well it's actually it's like two drafts have finished. <laughs> I finished the first draft, Yeah. I sent yes. it to my wonderful agent who's an editing agent, oh. so she gave me some pointers mm-hmm. and so I did a second draft. And, uh, and then I sent it to my editor at Osborne, who they have said they're going to take it <laughs> so it will be published. Yay. And I've just had back my editorial letter from her. And she loves it so i'm really happy <laughs> but obviously there is some work to do yeah so, um it's earmarked to be published um, next september
0: oh fabulous so
4: i've got which is quite nice because i don't have to rush it yeah there isn't a huge amount of work that needs to be done on it but obviously i do but want to take my time yeah you want to make sure yeah. it's, it's
0: as good as it can possibly exactly, be before. exactly make yeah. it the
4: best it can be especially because the house with chicken legs has. there's been such lovely feedback yeah. about <laughs> it i really want the second one to be, to be loved yeah, as much you know definitely. it's quite nervous obviously that people will say <laughs> it's just a one hit wonder <laughs> you're like no I've no more there to is more to come <laughs> yes indeed oh, so fantastic. yeah so that's where I'm at and I ha- have ideas for my third book as well but I'm trying not <laughs> to once start once that once the ideas start going you just end up rolling and rolling you and you like oh, there's that one and there's yes. that one and I'll come back and write that one there one day there is so many yeah. I do I want to focus the, the, the next few months for me will be focusing on edits mm. of this book too and get that really nice and tidy <laughs> and then I can start
0: three. <laughs> start imagining again yes um, so quite often on this podcast we talk about books that we've read recently are you reading
4: anything have you read anything recently like to yes I'm them? always reading lots of things yeah. think? I just read actually well I, I was reading Twister by Juliet Forrest oh, yeah. which is absolutely fabulous I'm absolutely in love with it I think she's a genius the, the voice is so strong and um, the, 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 the characters called Twister it's a young girl and um, I'm absolutely love that and I highly recommend that <laughs> Um, but then um, a, a, a very thin book arrived in the post called Child Eye, and I oh started reading that, that and um, and I read it all in one day, it's a very thin book, it's, it's um, a, a book about um, some refugees, some children refugees who are living on a refugee camp, yeah. and it doesn't talk about where they came from or where they're going, it's just literally these children, just kind of a snippet of their lives, as oh they're wow. just trying to be children yeah. and play in this and refugee that's very, camp. very different from what you would sort of normally see in a... A novel about refugees. Indeed, yes, yeah. exactly. And it, it was just Ooh, absolutely wonderful. And I loved that. I can't remember who it's by, I'm sorry, but it's called Child Eye. And, and I, I really recommend that as well. That was absolutely lovely. Wow. And then I just passed that on to my daughter, and, and that's wonderful. And then I'm reading, I read things with my children as well. Yeah. Bedtime stories. So we're reading The Train to Impossible Places mm-hmm. by Peter Bell, which isn't actually out until. This is the bonus Ooh. of being a <laughs> Osborne author, as you get arcs. Yeah. So The Train to Impossible Places isn't out until, I think it's September. But, um, but that is absolutely wonderful. It's a proper family adventure.
0: Oh that's good, yeah. And it is
4: yes, brilliant. We're about yeah. halfway through Being that able that to I read with that. kids
0: is some of the best the, the best book experiences. Yes,
4: and it's it's one of those rare books that I can read it with my I'm reading it with the twelve year old and the nine year old and me and all three of us <laughs> love it equally. <laughs> that's uh, it's fab. got magic and adventure and action and got enough for comedy. Mm. Yeah, something for everyone so oh, that's fab. fab well yeah. we'll keep an we'll keep an ear out for that one. Mm, it's gonna be huge.
0: And last question, do you have a favourite book? of all time. A can you book. narrow it down to one? <coughs> I mean, you can go for three, however many. I can.
4: The first one that springs to mind is actually Anne of Green Gables, and oh. it's because i it was my favourite book when I was about 11, Yeah. and so it's my kind of go-to comfort read. There's not many yeah. books I reread because there's so many new books I want to read there's n- never enough hours <laughs> in the day <laughs> but I always if I'm feeling a bit poorly or you know just a bit sad I, I can take Anne of Green Gables off the shelf and I can open it and immediately I'm 11 years old yeah. again and I can curl up and be 11 he's like the last 30 years just Dis- just disappear yeah. so that's a really magical special book for me and um I also love something a bit new a northern lights by Philip Pullman it's not that new now yes. is it but I remember reading that when I was ten or eleven, yeah. I'm not sure. Stole it from my sister's bookshelf. It
0: wasn't mine, but I uh, didn't give it back. No, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> all these years magical. later, I've still got
4: it. <laughs> indeed, absolutely. Magical. Yeah. That, that's another favourite. Mm. Indeed. So, that might be my desert island book because it's a bit chunkier and a bit thicker, yeah. and there's a lot more going in on it. But you know, but my comfort read then would be Anna Green Gables, oh. I think, and uh, and then the Moomins I love the Moomin books. Oh. See, the Moomin's terrifying. They? Yeah, yeah. They, Did Yeah. Did you watch the TV? Scared. Yes. I, I, people who watch the TV thing in the eighties, um, I, w- I saw parts of it. Yeah. Um, very, very late eighties baby. Yeah. People. I think people were scared by the TV thing. I mm. think I didn't see the TV thing. You see. I think ah. if you came to the books first, very different. Very different. They're mm. not scary. I think the. They, they obviously did something a bit wrong with that TV <laughs> yeah. thing, But there's a new movie being made at the moment that looks ah. beautiful. Looks really, really Actually, lovely. I have to try again. Now that I'm an yeah. adult. <laughs> it doesn't look scary. But they're not meant to be scary. <laughs> no, <know>.
0: That's
4: what <laughs> everyone tells me. <laughs> no, but you're not the only one. No. You're not the <laughs> only one. <laughs> um, and on that, I
0: think we're going to end it there. So thank oh, you so much for answering you. questions today. It's been lovely to have you. Lovely. And best of luck with books. Thank and you. All the future ones, current ones, and everything. No. <laughs> So today I'm very excited to welcome Laura Wood, who wrote Sky Painted Gold onto the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I want to ask you a few questions and I'm excited to hear your answers. What drew you to setting the book in and around the 1920s? Like, did you set out to do that or did it just sort of happen?
5: Well, there were a few reasons that I set the book in the 1920s. I think it's a period that's always really fascinated me and i love reading about it and watching films and television mm. about it but i also felt like weirdly um there weren't a lot of YA books that were yeah. set in the 20s which which especially now having written ones seems so strange <laughs> because it's so, it sat so well with that yeah. kind of feeling of being young and being uh kind of making your way out into the world yeah that adventurous kind of side of her so that that was a big influence and then also i think that the 1920s have this really interesting tension for readers who are reading about it now because we think about the 1920s as being kind of between the wars and this sort of fragile, fleeting moment. So I thought, well, that's really interesting Mm. when you're thinking about being a teenager and it's like this one golden summer that it has this kind of, for the reader, it has this already, this kind of fragility and fleeting quality to it. But then obviously for the characters, for the people who were just going about living their lives in the 1920s, Mm. they weren't thinking about, oh, well, here we are in the interwar years. They weren't weren't thinking about that. So I think that there's a really interesting tension there because in the summer of 1929, the, the characters that I'm writing about all of them are we know all of them are going to be impacted by the second world war but they have no, N- concept no idea that that's yeah so that's i feel actually really like that adds, yeah. like something interesting into the book yeah
0: like you have an insight that the characters will never have yeah kind of thing. exactly oh that's really exactly. interesting you focus a lot on siblings in your book is that something else you intended to focus on or did the characters just kind of develop their relationship as as you wrote it
5: um i knew that i wanted to have sisters in the book and um i'm really into books that have kind of sibling relationships Mm. in them i always find those really compelling because the relationship between siblings is so complicated and it's informed by so much history yeah so there's so much stuff that happens off the page so before the book starts there's inbuilt into a sky painted gold there's 17 years of alice and lou's relationship already that has already existed so that's really fun to play with as a writer it wasn't until i started writing the first draft of it maybe until i was about a third of the way through that i that i really realized that so for those who haven't read it at the beginning of the book lou's sister who is a year older than her gets married and moves so moves out of their kind of family home and the two of them have been so close um and done everything together for her whole life so lou feels a bit kind of lost, lost yeah about that um and then i kind of realized well that 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 became the catalyst for everything that ah. came after and that that moment, that really tangible moment, became a factor for what motivated so many of her decisions later on. Um, so
0: it was a really interesting place to start from, from that perspective. When planning on writing A Sky Painted Gold, did you do like a detailed plan, or are you more of a like, by the seat of your pants type writer? Ah, uh,
5: Yes, um, I think I'm sort of somewhere in between the <laughs> two, like I do a plan, uh usually like a one to two page plan uh that has the kind of big notes that yeah I'm gonna like the, on the way through, yeah. and i so i usually know where it ends up but i don't plan in detail kind of how yeah. i'm gonna get from like
0: i've seen some people who are like a post-it note like every chapter yeah and i'm no, like what? i'm not like
5: that but i but i do f- i'm not like that but i also do find the idea of having no plan really terrifying yeah. like if i just sat down and I was just kind of stream of consciousness writing with no idea like where <laughs> I was going. I just don't know, God knows what would come out for a start. Yeah, that does kind of terrify <laughs> me as well. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I, it needs a bit more structure than that for me. So yeah. I'm sort of a bit of both really.
0: <laughs> I think that's the best way to be though. Yeah, I I fun think that so. way. <laughs> so you've written for both middle grade and young adult audiences. Was there any obvious differences to approaching writing for these two groups?
5: uh that's a really great question um I mean I think in terms of content there obviously is like the sort of what you'd include in the book but also I suppose like for me the the main difference is between is is in the pacing which does impact you know like the planning that we were talking about before I would say like a middle grade book I have more of a plan for because it's so narrative Mm. because it's so driven by the narrative and it's very important to keep the the pace up in a middle grade book yeah if you're, if you're writing for a sort of eight-year-old with with less with a kind of shorter attention span and also like i'm really conscious about the reading experience and lots of middle grade books are read like chapter by chapter they're read before yeah bed. Re- so it's about like having these kind it's of short completely different experiences yeah, yeah. Whereas with the YA writing, I really enjoy the fact that you can really take your time over it, that a lot of it is about kind of mood and I
0: and find it a bit more like YA explores a lot more through like its chapters, it's not like, oh and this thing happened. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Like there's a,
5: there's a lot more space to kind of stop and look around yeah. in YA I think and, and also to look inwardly more as well like in my middle grade books you always have to worry about a kind of emotional arc for a character and that's definitely there in the middle grade book but I would say in the YA books you have generally speaking characters who are more who are happier to kind of look inward and who are more reflective, Mm -hmm. I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. So there's, again, there's more space to put that on the page. So it's a lot more about the kind of nuances of, like, the way people engage with each other and, like, consequences and things like that. So.
0: If someone loved your book and wanted to read something similar what kind of books would you recommend um well i guess
5: like for me the, the big book would be i capture the castle which was a really big inspiration for me with this novel in terms of like the voice and the the narrative voice i would say that's they're they're quite similar and that's intentional um i think it's almost perfect book I really (laughs) think it's beautiful so everyone should read it regardless of whether they like my book or not (laughs) but also like like lots of different writers um Eva Ibbotson I think is a is an incredible writer her young adult writing is beautiful and the way that she writes and the way that she plays with language I think is incredible so I would say she was a huge influence on my writing style so those would be a good kind good of place, place to go start as well
0: so I know sometimes authors don't read a lot whilst they're writing, but have you got any favourite books of the year so far that you've read? Uh, yeah, I I am actually not like that at all,
5: I'm the opposite. I have to read as much as possible when I'm writing because it, I feel almost it's like weird, I feel almost like I'm some sort of word monster and if I'm not like <laughs> absorbing words, yeah. all the words then there's nothing there for me to spit back out. <laughs>
0: That's a great way of thinking about it.
5: Though I read all the time, I read, if anything I read more when I'm Writing, But I totally understand why people, you know, don't do that so much. For the first time ever, I used my writerly connections to get (laughs) an early copy of the third book in the Dark Days trilogy by Alison Goodman, which is... It's this incredible YA trilogy. Um, It's like Regents, sort of supernatural Regency... um, (laughs) buffy meets jane austen incredible they're so well done i think they're really exciting um and so i i think the third one comes out in november and i've just read that and that was fantastic i definitely recommend that
0: what else that's like in
5: there there at the moment as the thing that I've enjoyed so much but I read like all sorts of stuff I read I read everything so
0: (laughs) anything you can get your hands on yeah
5: but I've always been like that I just think and I think also that's one of the reasons that I think I read loads of um, what some people I suppose might call trash (laughs) but I, I read loads of like romance novels and I, d- I think that there's nothing worse than kind of being a a book snob and so mm. I think that there within a, every genre there can be good and bad writing Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Say <laughs> um, so, you know, I read really widely and I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think that as a writer,
0: I think that's really good for you. And last question, it's a bit more of a fun one. So there've been a lot of books out recently that have been like collaborative books. So if you could write any book with any author, who would you choose?
5: It does the author have to be alive? No no. Oh,
0: anybody, mean. anybody. Imagine you could go back in time if you want to. You had a yeah. time machine. You can go and write with anybody. Oh that is so hard. <laughs> I mean, like I
5: thought, I'd just throw this one in I mean, for a bit of fun. <laughs> I mean, I would one hundred percent love to write a book with Eva Ibbotson, uh, because the thing about Eva Ibbotson, another th- another thing <laughs> about Eva Ibbotson that I love is she also wrote kind of middle grade and mm. young adult, yeah and she excelled in both of those things. And her books have this real warmth, real kind of. I don't know comforting quality to them even though they they go to some quite dark yeah. places she does it with such a lightness of touch that i like i'm devastated to have missed out on the opportunity <laughs> to collaborate with her i would be banging on her door right now please let me in <laughs> yeah, honestly um so yeah i would say her oh, fabulous oh well, thank you so much for answering
0: my question thank you thank you for so much it it's been wonderful yeah i've had such a nice time And that's it, that's the end of our interview special for 2018, we hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find our social media links down in the description of this episode, as well as our personal social media links and my business social media links and all that good stuff. And we are excited to kick back off next year in 2019 with some hopefully new releases and things we're looking forward to and books that we loved this year. There's so much we want to talk about and we just haven't had time, but I hope you guys stick around and you come with us on our next adventure in 2019. Thanks so much for listening. Bye!